Amen. Uh, this morning, we are going to be continuing our series through Hebrews chapter 11. And last week, we looked at the life of Moses. We saw some things from Moses about his faith. And this morning, we're going to continue a little bit with Moses in verse 27. And we're going to move on uh, and, and look at how, as Moses leads Israel, we're going to learn some things about what it looks like to be delivered by faith. Um, as part of this Conquering by Faith series. And I want to look at verse 27 first. It says, By faith he, that's Moses, left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. Now, here's the thing about Moses as we finish out his story and move into uh, the life of Israel, is that Moses saw the invisible, right? He believed the invisible, He saw the unimaginable and he did the impossible and that was through his faith. And as he led the nation of Israel, they got to be a part of of that. And I think it's difficult for us to understand um, some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning because a lot of times what we're talking about is we're talking about being delivered by faith. We have this idea that somehow we have to rescue ourselves. We have to deliver ourselves from these difficult circumstances And we've all faced those really difficult circumstances where we try to work ourselves out of that situation. And I know that there are some people here this morning who are in the middle of a very difficult circumstance. And I want to challenge us. Um, If you're not going through a difficult circumstance, the chances are that you soon will be. We all have difficult things that we face in this life. and, And it's difficult for us to not want to fix it ourselves. And we try to rely on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own intelligence. Let me ask you, how's that working out for you? Not very well. See, what happens when we, when we rely on what only we can do, we get results that only weak people can provide. But when we trust in God and we put our faith in God, we get results that only God can bring. Amen? And we see God do things that only God can do. And so I want us to look this morning at kind of the nation of Israel, the story of how God brings them out of Egypt and has them go through some things in the desert and through the the Red Sea and then into the promised land. And we're going to learn a couple things about how God delivers us and how we can rely on him by faith to deliver us. So look with me, if you will, Hebrews 11, verse 28. It says, by faith, he, talking about Moses, instituted the Passover in the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. Now, what's happening here is that the writer of Hebrews is calling this Hebrew church, this Jewish church who now puts their trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone, he's drawing their attention back to the Passover because the Passover, if you remember, was the 10th plague. It was the death of the firstborn, and it was, it was the thing that finally led Pharaoh to say, get out of Egypt, right? Moses comes, Charlton Heston, he says, let my people go, right? And he stands there before uh, Yul Brynner, right? Got a shaved head, and he says, let my people go. And ten, nine times, Pharaoh says, no, I won't let your people go. But then, after the plague of the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh says, take your people and get out of Egypt and go. And so they're taken out of Egypt. And so God is calling the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. And the writer of Hebrews is using this to point people back to remember that by faith, God brings us out. By faith, God brings us out. That's what he wants them to see is that just as God brought the Israelites out of slavery to Egypt, 
that God also brings us out. Um, Exodus thirteen fourteen says this. It says, in the future, when your sons ask, what does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And this is as God is, uh, through Moses, is giving instructions to the Israelites about how they're to remember the Passover. That the Passover meal was something that they do every year. And in fact, to this day, uh, Jewish people still observe the Passover. And he says, hey, when you do this, and your kids ask you, what does this mean? It says, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And so they're to remember the things that God has brought them out of. And in the same way, I believe God calls us to remember some of the things that he's brought us out of. And, and I know that um, there, are, there are bad habits, that there are some of you here this morning that you can look back and you say, thank God that he brought me out of that. There are difficult circumstances that some of you can look back and say, thank God that he has brought me out of that. There are bad relationships that you've been a part of that you can look back and maybe God brought healing or maybe he simply moved you away from that person, but you can look back and say, thank God he's brought me out of that. And there are some of you here this morning who have been through terrible illnesses. You faced cancer. You faced um, a long sickness. And you can look back and you can say, thank God that he has brought me out of that. But let me also remind you that we shouldn't lose the symbolism that the writer of Hebrews is doing here. When he talks about the people of Israel being led out of Egypt and out of slavery, it ought to remind us of our own slavery to sin. And I I encourage you, I don't have time to go through all of Romans chapter 6. It's probably my absolute favorite chapter of all scripture. But we're quickly reminded that it is out of slavery to sin that Jesus Christ came and he died for us. He died on the cross and he, he takes us out of that slavery through faith in Jesus Christ. And Titus chapter 3, I think, kind of sums this idea up very, very well, reminding us of, of where we've come and to what God has brought us into. It says, for we too were once foolish. Anybody in here been foolish? Ever? Good. We got two. Excellent. Uh, disobedient. Anybody in here ever been disobedient? Yeah. I put both up. Yeah. You kids. My kids raised both hands. Yep. Uh, <laughs> deceived, anyone in here ever been deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, guilty, anybody, yeah, living in malice, you ever been in malice and envy of someone else, yep, that's me, hateful, you ever hated somebody, some of you, you got that coworker that takes their sip of coffee, Mm. and all you can think about is chunking that stapler over (laughs) the cubicle, you sip that one more time, all right, Uh, uh, hateful, detesting one another, but listen to this, but when the goodness and love, uh, but when the goodness and love for man appeared from God our Savior, he did what? He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So these verses are reminding us, hey, here's what you were enslaved to. Here's the situation that you were in. And by the way, God loved you and he cared for you enough that he carries you. He brings you out of that. And he puts you into salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we think about that, I, wanna, I want you to think, think, what is it that God has brought me out of? What is it that God has brought me out of that he's, he's taken me from? Just the same way as the Israelites were called to look back at the Passover and remember that they had been taken out of slavery to sin. So think about that for just a minute. Think about, God, what have you brought me out of? God, what have you brought me out of? 
Think about some of those things that you were enslaved to or those bad situations that you were in. And in a moment, we're going to have a chance to respond to God. But think for just a moment. Maybe you want to write something down. Maybe you want to write down one of those things that God brought you out of because this is, this is, you could write next to this, redemption. That God redeems us. That word redemption means deliverance, rescue, to redeem, recover by payment. And that's exactly what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. The next thing I want us to see is that God takes us through. God takes us through. Let's look at verse 29. The writer of Hebrews says this, By faith they, talking about all of Israel, crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do, to do this, they were drowned. So you'll remember, Pharaoh says, Hey, take the Israelites, get out of Egypt, I want you guys to go. And so they go, and they realize, Moses realizes, hey, if we go this direction and we go through all the big cities in Egypt, the people are going to think twice and they're not going to want to go. So we're going to go through a different route. We're going to go by the Red Sea. And they end up at the Red Sea. They're being led, still at this point, they're being led by a pillar of cloud by day, representing God's presence, and a pillar of fire by night. So God's presence is with them. And then they begin to see the Egyptian army behind them. Pharaoh changes his mind and says, you know what? I just let all of our free labor force go. We need to go get them back. And then the pillar of cloud moves from in front of them to behind them and separates them from the Egyptians. And God tells Moses, he says, look, I know there's a sea in front of you, but I want you to go to the edge of the sea and raise your hands. And it says that the, the Red Sea splits with a wall of water on the left and a wall of water on the right. And the Israelites pass through on dry ground. They passed through on dry, dry, dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do this, what happened? It closed in on them. It closes in on them, and they were drowned. Uh, I, I came across this this last week, that a lot of us, a lot of times we move into something. There's something that God is bringing us through, and we try to do it in our own strength, and we end up doing it with rashness and presumption. And it says rashness and presumption are often mistaken for faith. Anybody ever experienced that? You do something rashly or presumptuously thinking, oh, if I just do this, God's going to be with me. Uh, Much like the Egyptians thought, oh, well, the Israelites made it through. They did this, so I'll go do this. You see, uh, the same thing when done by faith compared to when it's done not by faith is not the same thing. Let me say that again. The same thing when done by faith compared to when it's done not by faith is not the same thing. This is a lesson that the Egyptians found out the hard way. You see, they looked at the Israelites who were crossing the Red Sea on dry land by faith. And they said, well, if they can do it, I'm going to do it, and we're going to do it in our own strength. And when they did it, what happens? It says that they were drowned. Literally, that phrase that's used there in the, in the original language means that they were swallowed up. Now, I know there are some of you here this morning that you're going through some difficult things. And it feels like you're barely keeping your head above water. You, you feel like you're, you're drowning, like you're being swallowed up. And I, I want to encourage you that if that's you, perhaps you, you feel like you're walking through this situation by faith, but I want to I challenge you to stop and just think for a moment. Am I really trusting God in this situation? Am I really trusting God in this situation, or am I trying to do it on my own strength? Because the same thing done by faith versus when it's done not by faith is not the same thing. So I want to I encourage you to hand those things over to God and walk through those difficult situations by faith. 
uh, I want us to look at Isaiah 43 too. And, and I want to acknowledge this, um, that sometimes God has us go through difficult things for a purpose. Sometimes God places us in, in different trials and, and different situations that are difficult on purpose. Uh, and sometimes we're there because of our own stupid mistakes. I've been there, right? Sometimes we just make bad mistakes. But we need to know that those times are coming. Either way, we need to know those times are coming. Look at what it says. I will be with you if you pass through the waters uh, and if you pass through the rivers. What is that? Is that what it says? Heresy, that's right. Anytime I say something that the Bible doesn't say, you say heresy. What does it say? It says, I will be with you, what? When you pass through the waters. I will be with you when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and, through the, fl- and the flame will not burn you. This is God's promise to his people, Israel, after they've been in captivity. And I believe that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, he says, Surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Notice it doesn't say if you pass through these trials. Notice it doesn't say if. We saw last week, Jesus said, In this world you might have trouble. Heresy, no. Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. We got to know that the trouble is coming. And it's what we do in the midst of that trouble that makes all the difference. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, real quick, verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him because he cares about you. Let's leave this verse up here for just a minute. Um, remember who this was written to. If you're not familiar, First Peter was written to a very heavily persecuted church during the time, uh, most scholars believe, during the time of Nero, at which time Nero was using Christians to light his garden Uh, during garden parties, setting them on fire, right? And so Peter writes to this group of Christians, and he says, hey, humble yourselves. As you go through this difficult circumstances, humble yourselves. Uh, The idea is literally that you would allow yourself to be humbled. I don't like the sound of that (laughs) one bit. Allow yourself to be humbled under God's mighty right hand. And what does he mean by that? It means that when we're going through difficult times, when we're going through suffering, when we're going through persecution, that we can be encouraged that the same God who has allowed these sufferings is the same God who's going to exalt us in his timing. It's the same God who's going to exalt us. Our confidence rests in the fact that Christ is genuinely concerned for our welfare. We see that. It says, because he cares for you. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And as I thought about that this week, I was taken back. Um, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. My dad was minister of music, so I'm a recovering Baptist here this morning. Uh, but I can remember the songs that we used to sing, and one of the ones that we used to sing so often was, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And the words of the first verse say, O soul, are you wearied and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, a life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I know as a church, as we think about Jerry and his family, God has us in a situation that we don't understand 
But as we look to him, we can know, we can be assured that we can cast our cares and anxieties upon him because he cares for us. You see, the idea that we would humble ourselves under God's mighty hand is not that we would say, God, take me out of this situation, but that we would instead say, God, what do you have for me to learn in this situation? God, what are you doing? Now, there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Lord, I desire to be set free from this circumstance. But I think at the same time, that shouldn't be our only prayer. The greater prayer that we have to pray is, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you doing during this time? Because we learn from James that God brings us through various trials for, for his purposes because he's doing something. Let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And then it goes on and it tells us that endurance must do its work to bring us to completion so that we would be lacking in nothing. So when God has us face these trials, it's because he's working in our lives. And I want you to think right now, Lord, what are you bringing me through? What is that difficult circumstance that you're bringing me through? Lord, what are you teaching me in that process? What is it that you would have me learn as I go through that process? God's desire is that as we go through these things, that we would look to him for guidance. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways, and he will guide you on the right path. And so as you face these trials, whatever it is, look to him for guidance and ask him, God, what is it that you're teaching me as you bring me through this situation? Lastly, I want us to look at Hebrews 11, verse 30. Hebrews 11, verse 30 says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled by the Israelites for seven days. For seven days. And what I want us to see here is that this is pointing back to the time when after 40 years, Israel had wandered through the desert. And now, after 40 years, God finally brings them into the promised land. And that's what I want us to see is that God not only brings us out, he not only takes us through, but he also brings us in. God brings us in. And what we see here is that God has, has brought the Israelites in. And what's crazy is they get to the Jordan River and God says, hey, it's time for you guys to cross and go in. And the first city you're going to come to is a very uh, uh, walled and protected city called Jericho, but I'm going to deliver it to you. But God says, you're going to do it on my terms, not on your own terms. Because, and I love this story because God calls them and he says, look, you're going to march around the city once a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around the city seven times. And you're going to blow the trumpets and then I'm going to hand the city over to you. And the people, people of Israel are like, yeah, okay, that seems good. Let's do that. Now, if this were you and I writing the story, it would not have gone that way. Like, we would have had the army, you know, we would have made the movie. There would have been, like, Brad Pitt leading the army, you know, like Troy or, like, Chris Hemsworth or whatever. And we would have stormed the castle and broken down the walls, and we would have gotten all the glory. But God says, no, it's going to happen my way. It's going to happen in a way that you could have never even imagined. And so they do it. They obey. And on the seventh day, after the seventh time, they blow the trumpets, and all the Israelites shout, and the walls, you guys know the song, and the walls come tumbling down. Joshua shot, fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho. You guys know the song, right? And the walls come tumbling down. And the walls come down. And the people of Israel are able to walk right into the city of Jericho. 
and take it. And take possession. And they begin to take possession of the land that God had promised them for so long. And in the same way, God leads us into some amazing things. God leads us into some amazing things. You may have been brought out of something difficult or you're coming through something difficult and you can look forward in hope knowing that God brings you in. And let me tell you this, it's not always, it's not always that he brings you into a time when there's no turmoil. Sometimes it's simply that he brings you into an experience of his peace and his rest in the midst of it. And that is the greatest deliverance that you can experience. That even in the midst of a trial or temptation that you could say, God, I am in your peace. I am in your rest. I have peace in you. I have peace in your plan. I have peace in what you are doing. Sometimes God brings us out of something and he, he brings us out of a bad situation into a, into a good one. Sometimes he brings us out of bad relationships and he brings us into new relationships. Those are things that we can thank him for. But as we think about Israel and the picture that they paint for us, as they leave slavery to Egypt and they walk through the, the Red Sea and then they're delivered in the promised land, I can't help but be reminded of our own salvation. That God brings us out of slavery to sin. That's our salvation. Then he carries us through. He carries us through this long process of our whole life once we put our trust in Christ, we, we begin walking this journey. It's called sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. That's a big word. What does it mean? It means God is making us more like his son, Jesus Christ. Right? That's the going through. And then finally, he brings us in. And this is the last part of our salvation process, and that is the glorification where God finally brings us into heaven. Whether it's through death or through Jesus coming back, he brings us into heaven, and we are brought into his presence. And we're given new bodies that are glorified. Who wants one of those? I know I do. Where it's no longer affected by sin. It's no longer able to sin and it's no longer affected by sin, sickness, illness, pain. All those things go away. But God also does something else when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. He brings us into a family. He brings us into his body. And he surrounds us with a new family. I was meeting with a man this past week that I've met at a coffee shop. Uh, he's got, he's got a, a, a really crazy past of some things that God has brought him out of, some things that God is currently bringing him through. And I asked him if he was connected to a church. And he said, no, but I know I need to be. And he shared about his longing and his desire to see restoration in his family. But because of some of the decisions that he's made in the past, it's been really difficult. Uh, And he said, but I know that God has brought me into a new family with new relationships. And so the very thing that he's looking for with his own flesh and blood, he knows that he can experience with the body of Christ. As we move forward this morning, what's interesting to me is we think about the story of the Exodus from the Passover to the crossing of the Red Sea to the 40 years in the desert to finally being in the promised land. As God takes his people out, as he brings them through, and then as he brings them in. What's interesting to me is that the exodus started with sighing, but it ends with singing. It ends with singing. And we see this in Exodus chapter 15, that there are some things that God does for the people of Israel. 
And this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. I don't, I don't know that we've ever done anything like this at River Rock Bible Church. And some of you, it's going to freak you out. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to freak you out and it's going to be weird. But we're going to be okay with that. We're going to do some things different this morning. I want us to think through, what is it that God has brought me out of? What is it that God is taking me through? And what is it that God is bringing me into? I want us to have a a time where we can respond through prayer, where we look back and we're grateful for his provision for the things that he's brought us out of. And then I want us to think about the things that God is bringing us through in our present and how we can experience his peace in that. And then I want us to look ahead and say, God, I know I'm in the middle of something right now, but I believe that your promise says that you are going to bring me into this. And that may be your future in heaven. It may be a, a future... Um, outside of something that you're struggling with right now, an addiction that you're struggling to break. But I want us to look real quick at Exodus 15 as we do this. And let me just tell you what we're going to do so you're not freaked out so bad. Because some of you, it's going to freak you out. Well, here's what we're going to do. Exodus 15. Israel has just crossed through the Red Sea. And it it says, verse 1, it says that, uh, it says, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. We said that the The exodus began with sighing as people were mourning the death of their firstborn, but it ended with singing. So you may be in a period of sighing this morning. My hope is that you'd be able to look forward to the singing, that we'd be able to experience some singing. We're going to read these verses, uh, and what we're going to see is the first thing the people of Israel do is they acknowledge God for who he is. And so what we're going to do in just a minute, I'm going to read this section. We're going to see what the people of Israel have to say about God. And I'm going to ask that everyone spend some time in prayer. And as we pray, I'm going to encourage you to say out loud. You're going to say, God, you are. Or God, you have been this to me. And as the people say it, let's just read the verses here. It says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. And so as you think about who God is to you, you're going to have an opportunity, and I know this is not like this is not how Americans do church, right? But this is how we're doing it this morning. As you pray, and God brings to mind who he is to you, I want you to just call it out, out loud. No microphone, just say, God, you are. God, you are to me. God, you are holy. God, you are this. And then as a church... As a church, uh, let's move on to the next slide. As a church, we're going to respond, this is my God and I will praise him. So let's practice real quick. You ready? God, you are holy. This is my God and I will praise him. And we're going to do this and you're going to have a chance to talk about what, what God has brought you out of, what God is bringing you through. And what God is bringing you into, and I know this is completely different from anything we've ever done, so I'm going to ask you to just be uncomfortable for a little bit. But let's let our sighing be turned into singing this morning. So let let me just start us and say, God, you are our deliverer. This is my God, and I will praise him. Someone else, just call something out.